So, uh, so how many of y'all uh, follow J.D. and the Seedbed Daily Text, read the Daily Text? So you got some audience out here. And, and J.D., I'm just going to share with you that one of our folks told me that uh, he, he's missing the, the, the kickoff of the World Cup final so he can be here and hear you this morning. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, J.D. has been, uh, many of you know him, he uh, authors of the Daily Text, and y'all read that. He is the, uh, I think the, the, he, he, he signs off as bondservant of Jesus is what he signs off of. He's sower-in-chief and publisher for Seedbed. Um, J.D. started off as an attorney in Arkansas in his first life and uh, went from there, was called from there into ministry, and after going to Asbury, uh, was uh, uh, brought down to the Woodlands UMC in Houston and was ordained an elder in the United Methodist Church in the Texas Conference there. Uh, was on the clergy staff there for a number of years before going back to Asbury as the vice president for community formation and dean of the chapel at Asbury Seminary, where he was for 11 years. Uh, and then went from there over to Seedbed, where he's been uh, working with that, uh, not only with the publishing end, but also organizing and helping uh, with a new room conference. And uh, if, if, if uh, you've not been to New Room Conference, I'm just going to encourage you, go Google New Room Conference 2018. It's September 19 to 21, I believe, in uh, Brentwood, Tennessee, which is a suburb of Nashville. Uh, and if you've never been, uh, come. It's amazing, awesome. Uh, I mean, it's just it, it, it's just an awesome event to come to. So I encourage you to do that. So we're blessed to have J.D. He was here with us yesterday morning, did the awakening event with us and preached last night. He's preached day 15. So uh, he's here to bring us the word again. So would you welcome J.D.? Thank you. So are you awake? How do you know? You know, the interesting thing about being asleep is you don't know when you're asleep. Do you? How many of you have ever gone to sleep at the wheel, driving? Or, you know, kind of you get close and you nod off and you feel the shoulder bumps. And that's the crazy thing about driving is that we can be in the driver's seat of a vehicle that is, you know, a couple thousand pounds going 70 miles an hour with other people in the car and actually go to sleep. I mean, who would have thought? And um, how much easier do you think, given that, that we could go to sleep in our faith? I mean, if, if we could go to sleep driving a car at 80 miles, 70 miles, whatever, an hour, <laughs> down a freeway, when it could kill us, people in the car, other people, how much more could we go to sleep uh, on our faith? Our text today is an antidote to that kind of sleep. It's Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to cut right to the heart of the text where it says, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So, as an anti-sleeping device, even through this sermon, when I say, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, you say... Okay, good. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. 
the interesting thing about this text is that Paul, Paul is not writing to pagan unbelievers. He's not writing to sort of people who've kind of given up on church. Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, and this is one of the early churches, right? The, the, Jesus' tomb, you know, barely empty for not too long at this point in history. And you've got this group of people who are going for it in church, but apparently they're drifting off to sleep. And so Paul, as he's, this is a brilliant letter, there are two prayers in this letter that I would commend to you. In chapter 1, um, you know, he's praying for the Ephesians, and he says, I pray that, 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 the, that, the, that God our Father would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him better and that you would know the hope to which he's called you that you would know the, your, the glorious inheritance that you have in the people of God. And then he says, and that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. It's the same power, he says, that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. How many of you feel like you know that power? I mean, I've, a lot of times growing up reading this verse and others like it, I'm like, Lord, am I asleep here? Am I missing something? Because I'm sort of feeling like either you got it wrong or I'm missing the point. Okay? This is what I think it means to practice wakefulness. So often when we're reading the Bible, when we're coming into the Christian faith, we can treat it kind of like we treat the software agreements on our phones and our computers. I mean, when's the last time you read one of those? Don't even know what we're committing to. We're just accept click the button, move on, get me into the app or the program. It can really be like that in our Christian faith. We just sort of like, okay, well, God says it, uh, I believe it, that settles it, accept, and move on. And we don't really realize not only what we agreed to, but actually the benefit the features, the gifts, the, all that comes with this. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. You're more awake than the 830 group, <laughs> and I am too. Um, I think about the Sermon on the Mount, which you're going to be... Um, Tom's going to be leading you through that over the next six weeks. Okay, this is, this is something that we all have some level of familiarity with. And yet it's so easy to lose touch with the fact that this is the most influential sermon ever preached in the history of the world. 
three chapters of the Bible, words spoken by the Son of God. We actually have them in writing that God comes to this earth, delivers these kinds of teachings, and we've got it in a book. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's kind of like, wake up! <laughs> we, we have, I've got, you know, tons of Bibles at home, maybe you do too, and it's just so easy to, to sort of like think, okay, well, I, I've, I've, I know the Sermon on the Mount, I've read that. Three chapters, 111 verses. I don't know, several thousand words. I want to challenge you over the next six weeks to wake yourself up to this text. And a simple way of doing this, it'll, it'll take a little energy, it's not, not complicated, but I want you to read it every day. Don't, don't try to read the whole Bible over the next six weeks. Don't, sometimes I think with the Bible, we think, gosh, we just need to sort of read the whole thing in a year. Or, I, I'm on the three-year Bible reading plan, <laughs> the, the three-year Bible. Uh, but... Sometimes it's better to cover less ground more slowly. Okay, less ground more slowly. The Bible is not a book that's written to be mastered. It's a book that's written to be mastered by. It's not a book like we're trying to increase our knowledge. It's actually a book that's going to deepen our wisdom. And it's a book that really is calling for us to not just sort of read and think. It's a book, actually, that was written not even to be read. How about that? Because people couldn't read. There weren't books. There weren't printing presses. There were scrolls. It's a book that was written to be heard. Okay? Faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by reading. Faith comes by hearing. And it's so easy in our highly literate day and age to make the measure of all things reading and thinking. And, you know, you can actually read and think without hearing and seeing. The instruments of the human body are hearing and sight. You're... you're by the grace of God, you're born with the ability to hear and to see. Nobody has to even teach you that. So, maybe read it aloud. Maybe just even, probably your phones have an app on it where you can actually push play and it'll read it to you. I mean, you might need to vary it over the course of the next six weeks so that you won't go to sleep at the wheel just rolling through it. But I want to challenge you to immerse yourself in these words, to wake up to them, and to ask questions about them, to not just sort of like accept, 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 but to say, is, am I, do I get this? Back on that prayer in Ephesians, I just reached a point in my life a number of years ago where I said, you know, I'm not going to let go of texts like these until it's like that angel with Jacob at the river Jabbok. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Wrestled all night, wrestling with God. 
I think that's what the Lord would have with us with the Word of God, that we would wrestle with it, that we would say, Lord, I'm not understanding this. I get it in my mind, but I'm not experiencing it in my life, and I'm not content to let you go until your incomparably great power for us who believe is real to me. You know, Jesus once said, he said to his disciples, he says, greater things, you see these works that I've been doing, you're going to do these same works. And in fact, you're going to do greater things than these because I go to the Father. And I'm like, where is it, Jesus? (laughs) I don't feel like I've done that. And I'm not willing to just accept that as an agreement. I want to do it, don't you? I want to, I don't want to go to sleep at the wheel of religious motions. Well, I read my Bible, I went to church, I, you know, gave, I did this. I want, I'm not content, and I don't think you are, and the character of this church certainly doesn't feel that way, to just be about the motions. This is a church that wants to be about the movement. You see, one generation's movement so easily becomes the next generation's motions. And you've just got to pick it back up, and you've got to say, Lord, these motions, you don't have to throw out the motions but you got to put them back together with the movement. That's about practicing wakefulness. Just like what if every morning you you just got before the Word of God and you just said it out loud, wake up, O sleeper, speaking to yourself. A lot of times the Bible, you know, bless the Lord. We sang it today, O my soul. You're telling your soul to bless the Lord. You can tell your soul to wake up. Wake up, soul. And rise from the dead. Because that's the Word of God. Okay, good. You're with me. (laughs) Mostly. (laughs) Come on in the back. The bleachers. I love those seats, man. My kids would love to be in that. It's just like a baseball game. So, what's all this for? Practice makes perfect. And really, that's kind of how we go to sleep. I mean, practice, practice, practice. Why do you practice anything? To play a game, right? But it, that, that can really get lost in our faith. It's like there's nothing worse than just practice, 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 and no, no game, no show, no <laughs> concert, whatever. Um. How many of you have ever tried to, like, lose weight before? Okay, I'm in that game. You remember several years ago, they came out with this plan called the Couch to 5K. You ever hear that? I mean, it was a pretty brilliant idea because the problem with me trying to lose weight is, like, I'm not trying to train for anything (laughs) other than to lose weight. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not feeling the marathon coming up or the half or, the, or even the 5K, unfortunately. And so I'm just stuck in this endless routine of just saying no to things I want to eat. And, and, you know, it's not working out, as you can tell. But the Couch to 5K program was like, okay, and they were really talking to people like me. 
to saying, okay, if you'll do this today and this tomorrow and this the next day and this the next day, if you'll start practicing, we'll just tell you exactly what to do. Do this, don't do that, eat this, don't eat that. In X amount of days, you're going to run a 5K race. And millions of people did it. I didn't. But, <laughs> but I was amazed at some of my friends who were particularly challenged with weight who got a hold of that and they had something out there on the horizon that they were going for. And they were just so looking, you know, they bought the gear and got the new shoes and the, all the whole thing, and they were running that race. Well, that's how Scripture talks about the Christian faith. You know, there's that text in, in Hebrews that says, therefore, you know, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, like, we're not in the stands, we're actually on the field the stands are full, and they're cheering for us. You're surrounded. He says, throw off, just throw off every encumbrance, anything that encumbers you. Cast off the sin that will so easily entangle you. Just throw it to the side. And then he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then he says, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. I mean, that's a movement text. That's not emotions text. And as we start to really look at Scripture and to hear Scripture, we will start to see that this is about a movement. It's about the movement of the Holy Spirit in the communities of people just like this who, if they will, if they will wake up, right, and order, order themselves together. Notice I didn't say organize themselves like Methodists. But if they will order themselves together, the Holy Spirit will move them out into this community, into the larger region into the world, into their families, into their workplaces, and things will happen. But as long as we're asleep, the world around us is like, they go to church? Why would I want to do that? What's the point of that? That's going to become increasingly so in the next 10 to 20 years as the sort of cultural payoff for going to church just evaporates, right? The, the people are going to be looking for movers and folks around whom divine things seem to happen. could be ordinary, but no less divine. may not always be miraculous, but yes, they will be supernatural, you see, this is the movement of God. This is the game for which we are practicing. And perfect, that's a very misunderstood word in our day and age. In the, in the Greek sense of the term, in the Hebrew sense of the term, the way that Jesus was talking about perfect and perfection, it's not like flawless. It's not like there's no errors here. It's this sense of fullness it's this sense of like, they're, they're leaving it all on the field. It's kind of like, if, if you go to my house 
uh, today back in my parents' house, you'll see a lot of things framed from my childhood. And one of the things that stands out in my mind is this framed picture of a little, uh, one of those third, probably second, first grade pieces of paper with the three dotted lines, you know, where they're trying to teach you to write. And I wrote, on that page, I wrote my first story ever. And here was the story. I rode my bike to the store. R-O-D, road, B-I-K, bike, to the store. I bought a cat. I pat the cat. (laughs) End of story. You know, I take that thing home. You know what my parents say? You misspelled road. No. You know what they said? That's perfect. Right? That's how the Lord sees our awakened hearts leaning into His calling and purpose and our efforts to try to get in the game and go for it. He's like, He doesn't say, You didn't read your Bible this morning. I, did, I didn't hear those prayers yesterday. No, he's like, that's perfect, because it represents the fullness, the effort, the sense of like in it to win it mentality, no longer sleeping, no longer playing the game, no longer going through the motions, but in the movement. Practice makes perfect. And when Jesus says in Matthew 5, 48, right at the end of that chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, this most confusing, probably most controversial, most misunderstood, hardest verse in the entire Bible, people say to interpret, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's not saying be flawless. He's not saying don't, you know, make sure you cross all the T's and dot all the I's and never make a mistake. He's saying, think about how that prodigal father was talking to somebody out in the service after the first service, and they were saying, yesterday I'd brought up this prodigal father, the prodigal son story, and he, he said, you know, there is the prodigal son, but then there's the prodigious father. And you see, Jesus tells a story about what God's like, and he says, you know, this is a God who is like this father whose son just wrote him off, said, you're dead to me. And when he comes back, the father actually is watching for him after he's been offended beyond offense. He runs down the road to him, which would have been an act of great shame in first century Jewish culture. The father threw all that aside, and he ran after that son. That's what perfect looks like. It's all wrong, but it's perfect. Practice makes perfect. It's about getting in the game. Um, let me close with a, what may be a funny story to you. I, I, it's one of my favorite stories. It, it takes me back to my college days. I'll date myself here. In the advent of karaoke. <laughs> okay, you got, you got any karaoke years in the house here? All the worships team are like, no, I do not do that. <laughs> Okay, so this is right when it started, and there was this Ramada Inn lounge out in the town where I went to college. 
and they had a karaoke machine, and we used to go out there and get in line. <laughs> and you'd pick your song, get in line, your time would come, you know, you'd get the mic, and, and it was just glorious. I mean, I'd been singing in choirs all my life. I'm like, I wasn't singing. The game for me wasn't like the children's choir performance. I wanted to get on the stage, right? And so we're out there, and, you know, you sing your song, and then you go get back in line and pick your next song. And, and, uh, and so actually I'd get a few guys to go up there with me, and, and, and they were my band. I called them the Dukes. And so we were J.D. and the Dukes. <laughs> and and um, it was just so fun singing country music. And uh, some time later, I found myself in Branson, Missouri, Little Vegas. And I was at a friend's. I was in his wedding. And after the rehearsal dinner, we all just wanted to be together because we hadn't seen each other in a while. So we all went to this big dance hall called the Wildwood Flower. And we got in there, and it was serious country dancers, okay? This was not like some wild and crazy bunch of drunks. It wasn't that at all. It was people that, wanna, that love country music and two-step. And so we're just in there talking around. I started wind up talking to some of the locals there, and, and one of them asked me, they said, so, so what do you do? I said, well, I sing country music. <laughs> I said... We got a band in Arkansas called J.D. and the Dukes. We just kind of sing top 40 country, you know, stuff like that. And just, I was just sort of just going with it. And time passed, the band takes a break. And this is a big band, steel guitars, backup singers. I mean, it's serious, you know, not playing around. So guy steps up on the stage as the band's tuning back up. He said, ladies and gentlemen, we got a... We got a country music singer here tonight from Arkansas. <laughs> He's got a band, and it's called J.D. and the Dukes. He said, the Dukes, the Dukes can't be here tonight, but he's going to sing one with our band. And I thought, whoa, this is the game that I've been practicing for all my life. And so I start walking to that stage, and I'm thinking, what song do I know every word to? Because it's not karaoke. There's no screen with words. And so I get up on the stage, and the lead guitar guy looks at me. He says, so what do you want to sing? I said, you guys know the gambler? <laughs> and he said, sure. And then he asked the question, what key do you want it in? <laughs> and I had no idea. And so I said, here, come here. Mm. <laughs> and he said, gambler and sea. And on a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for no. I'm not going to sing it here. I met up with a gambler, but that's the song. And I mean, I started singing that, and the people went nuts. I mean, they didn't know any better. And all of my friends were just in disbelief. <laughs> and I got through with it, and it was just, it was, that was the peak of my life. <laughs>
right there in Branson, Missouri. It was a gamble. And I look back on that, and at that, that whole song has kind of carried through in my life. And, and really, it, it's, the question is to all of us, because we are all making a bet here. We are betting that this Christian life, that this way of Jesus, we're betting that it's true or we're betting that it's not true, right? And the only other option, and unfortunately it's probably the biggest one, is to just sort of go to sleep at the wheel, somewhere in between yes and no. We're not saying it's not true. We're not necessarily sort of buying in. We're just kind of doing our best. We'll read the Bible for a while, and then we'll try to pray, and then we'll go to church, and then time will pass, and we'll realize we hadn't gone to church in a while, and we're struggling with our marriages we're struggling at work and we're 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 just struggling which that's going to be the case either way we go but what i'm wanting to say is it's true and i think you know that and i'm saying wake up oh sleepers and rise from the dead He will put you in the game, and you will awaken. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But even if you know, there will be more that you'll know. You will awaken to the reason for your existence, for your life at a whole new level, if if you will wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Let's pray. Father, let your word, we just open our hearts to your word, each one of us here. We all have our doubts, we all have our hang-ups, we all have our just so many things. And in the simplest way, each one of us in this morning at July the 15th of 2018, the year of our Lord, we just say to you, we want to wake up to more of you. And we want to wake up to the whole point of this whole thing. Lord, we know you haven't wasted a single day of our lives And so we just want to offer ourselves afresh to you right here for what's next. You're saying all kinds of things to all kinds of people. And we just want to say yes to what is next with you. We don't know what it is. We don't need to know because we trust you. So I just encourage you, just right here in the altar of your heart, Just say yes, Jesus, to what is next. Wake me up, Lord.
awaken me. Thank you, Jesus, for your name's sake and for the sake of the world. Amen. Amen. JD, you got a song you want to sing for us? I'm sorry. I had to ask.